Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Thursday, January 26th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, we'll learn about new efforts by lawmakers to block mining near the Okefenokee Swamp. The Georgia Department of Corrections is modernizing its prisons. And has inflation, coupled with the automation of jobs, led to a rise in crime here in Georgia? We'll talk to one researcher who says there is a connection. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. A South Georgia lawmaker has introduced legislation in the House this week aimed at blocking mining near the edge of the Okefenokee Swamp. Republican Darlene Taylor of Thomasville filed legislation that would not halt Alabama-based Twin Pines materials pending applications to mine titanium along Trail Ridge near the Okefenokee, but it would affect any filed after July 1st. Opponents fear mining near the swamp's edge could cause irreparable damage. Georgia House Republicans are backing legislation that would increase the statewide cap on income tax credits offered to donors to a private fund that provides private school scholarships. House Bill 54 would raise the cap from the current $120 million per year to $200 million. The cap has been raised multiple times over the past five years. Chrissy Riggins, director of the American Federation for Children's Georgia chapter, says donors have immediately matched it each time it's been raised. Democrats have opposed using state tax credits to help fund private school scholarships, saying it has diverted government resources to private education. Details are beginning to emerge about how the Georgia Department of Corrections will use the $600 million allocated to it in last year's state budget to modernize its prisons. GPB's Grant Blankenship has more. The detail came in a meeting of the House Public Safety Appropriations Committee last week. Republican Alan Powell asked brand-new GDC Commissioner Tyrone Oliver what would become of Lee Arendale State Prison in his district near the town of Alto in northeast Georgia. Old facility. Should have been tore down years ago. Oliver told Powell GDC will move the women in the 1,500-bed Arendale Prison to McCray Prison, a federal facility owned by Nashville-based CoreCivic until the state bought it last year. For the rough timeline, we're going to slowly dwindle that population down once we get um, McCray open, so we'll be within this calendar year. A representative for the Georgia Department of Corrections would not describe how much repurposing McCray will cost, nor is there yet a timeline for the construction of what is hoped will be Georgia's new state-of-the-art prison. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship and Macon. A stopgap measure will keep ambulance services running in Augusta. EMS provider Gold Cross gave notice to the state on Monday that it would be pulling out of the area next week after it couldn't reach a deal with Augusta-Richmond County commissioners. Yesterday, the company and commissioners agreed to a month-to-month contract to give local officials and state regulators time to find a new provider. But it's not much time, says Stephen Vincent of Gold Cross. There's no way this can be a lengthy process. You have to have a zone proposal in probably within two weeks to the state. If not, then there's going to be whoever applies for it will get it. A statement from the Department of Public Health applauds the temporary agreement and says the process to find a new provider will begin next week and take several weeks. The end of the 17-year relationship between Gold Cross and Augusta-Richmond County comes after years of disagreements over service levels and funding. Atlanta began its annual count this week of people facing homelessness. The point-in-time, or PIT, pit count determines federal funding. 
GPB's Amanda Andrews has more. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development requires cities to conduct the once-every-two-year survey of unhoused people. The city of Atlanta counts yearly instead, working with agencies like Partners for Home to gather the information. Together, they send out around 200 volunteers over several days to compile demographic information in separate daytime and overnight shifts. Partners for Home CEO Catherine Vassell says they also look for trends in the data they gather. Since 2020, we've seen an overall reduction of 38%, and a 38% reduction of our homeless population overall. Last year, the survey determined just over 2,000 people met the criteria for homelessness, down from more than 3,000 in 2020. The count runs through January 30th. For GPB News, I'm Amanda Andrews in Atlanta. Research shows an increase in crime is caused in part by economic stress, and that stress is caused by a variety of things. Right now in Georgia, two are major contributors, inflation and the automation of jobs that were once performed by people. Dr. Patrick Dix has been researching the connection between automation, inflation, poverty and crime. So a lot to unpack there. I want to start first with the connection between generally economic stress and crime. How would you connect those things? Um, When you don't have money, uh, with the price of everything, I was looking at statistics. Um, the average one-bedroom apartment in Atlanta is $1,936. The average American only makes about $40,000 a year. So when you don't have the correct funds or enough money to pay, people are going to go out by any means necessary to fill that void so they can have shelter, food, et cetera, for their families. So that definitely influences the rise in crime. You have also done some research on automation. And I want to ask you about that in part because uh, this has been a concern for economists for for quite some time now. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the concerns about the rise in jobs becoming automated and the rise in crime? With the price of labor going up with inflation, a lot of companies now are saying, okay, time out. If If you want $15 an hour, what does it cost me to automate that process? If I can spend two to three million dollars to get the machine in here and all I have to do is pay the licensing fee. So companies are looking at it saying people don't want to come back to work. People are saying I need a higher wage. Let's find out and research how we can make things more efficient. The theory of any business is to do more with less, but continuous flow. Keep things keep running. That's why automation is becoming more paramount. How can we continue to make a process run more efficient with less people? Uh, under Governor Kemp's administration, we've seen a lot of green jobs come into Georgia. Is that in itself a concern? So those jobs are coming. What they're not telling people is these jobs are for specialized skill sets. In my research, you have a specialized skill set. So the thing that will be deemed as transferable, those jobs are coming for the people that have the skill set and have the technical and analytical skills to complete those tasks. So in other words, Georgia needs to prepare for people to come in from out of state for these jobs. These aren't things that are going to be easily filled by people who happen to already be here. No, um, unless they have a STEM background or they have a blue collar uh, background, because to put down those solar panels or, you know, a solar farm that requires someone that knows about architecture, somebody that knows about um, construction. So it is a special specialized skill set. And then you have the people that actually have to run it. Many of those things are ran by computer systems. We have to remember, if we're taking energy and storing it 3 o'clock in the morning, we have to have some kind of pneumatic, not pneumatic system, electrical system, computer software that could say, hey, this area is using more. If somebody is not there, can this thing still run? So the specialized skill sets that are coming in, it's just like when they said manufacturing jobs are coming back to America. 
They may be coming back, but for who? They have advanced manufacturing now that builds cars. They are trying to take people out every facet of the operation. So what kind of jobs are going to be left for human beings to do, in your view, once automation reaches its peak? Um, Primarily blue-collar jobs, you know, HVAC, electrical. Over here, I'll give a perfect example. Um, We had that record freeze the the week before Christmas. I think it was the weekend. Mm-hmm. I saw on the news pipes over here bursting, sheetrock, electrical. None of that was white collar. That was blue collar. Those guys over here made millions of dollars because you can't just have water pouring out. Those types of jobs are going to be here. People that can fix things, electrical, HVAC, landscaping, construction. Once they start building an interstate, they may have the aid of a computer system to help them, but it still takes manual labor to get there. Somebody has to bring the I-beams to build buildings. And the other kind of white-collar jobs that'll be here will be technical and analytical. The days of just getting a degree out of college, saying I'm going to work a posh job are over. I mean, those jobs are far and those jobs are going to be gone. We don't really need people to do a lot of things anymore. And my saying is if your job or skill is not helping move society forward, you're going to become obsolete. So those are the fields and the skill skill sets that you're going to have to have to be marketable and employable in the future. Well, Patrick Dix, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate it. You're more than welcome, and I appreciate it. A Democratic National Committee panel has voted to give New Hampshire and Georgia more time to make changes that would allow both to be part of a revamped group of five states leading off the party's presidential primary starting next year. The committee previously voted to approve a plan championed by President Biden that would replace the Iowa caucuses as the first in the nation with South Carolina. New Hampshire and Nevada would then go second, followed by Georgia and then Michigan. New Hampshire and Georgia now have until June 3rd to meet the deadline. And that is it for today's edition of Georgia Today. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, do it now. That way we'll be in your podcast feed right on time tomorrow afternoon. And if you have feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. And don't forget to check out our Georgia Today newsletter at gpb.org slash newsletters. There you'll find more news from GPB. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.